Welcome to the Friends of Friends podcast. Here are your hosts, Henry Hargitay and Jason Cole. Ah, been a minute. But we here. Been a minute, but we here. I would say apologies for, for skipping a little time, but I really should just be saying condolences because I'm sorry you guys haven't heard our voices for this long, but we're back entertaining America. Be a friend of a friend. Go subscribe. The best way you can be a friend of a friend is just hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Just do it. Like us. Be a friend of a friend. Tell us in the comments. Hate us. Tell us in the comments and we'll probably That's respond. That's cool too. That's cool too. That's cool too. Anyway, how's everything on your end, man? It's I'm, Listen, I'm happy man. to be back. Blessed and highly favored. How you doing? I'm good, man. And let's get right into this. I don't want to waste any fucking time here because you did something really cool the other day. So for those of you who don't know, whether you're a basketball fan, whether you're just a fan of good stories, the name you, you need about? to know, the name you need to know right now is Hansel Emanuel. Not quite a household name, but a name indeed. Uh, this kid, he's a one-arm basketball player who's earned over three Division One offers. He's got over a million followers on Instagram. Uh, he stands at six foot four. He averaged just under twenty-six a game in his senior year down in Florida at Life Christian Academy. 11 boards and seven assists to go with it, nearly four blocks a game. Damn. Uh, this kid, this kid, Hansel Emanuel is, is his name. Uh, he, he grew up in the Dominican Republic, lost his left arm in an accident, but can still dunk, shoot, pass. He can really do anything on the court. I mean, three Turbo, division one offers. Defend. Uh, he, yeah, defend, exactly. I mean, he kind of does it all. Uh, if you haven't seen his highlights, we're going to do as best we can to show as much of them uh, on this podcast. But look him up on YouTube because this kid's game is insane. One arm, two arm, doesn't matter. His game is ridiculous. And then on top of that, doing it uh, in his condition is, is cr- it's really incredible. Uh, but the reason I open up with that story on this episode, of course, is because my good friend slash podcast host slash best trainer in the tri-state was able to train him this past weekend and is going to tell us just how cool it was. Listen, it, it was a great experience for me and him. You know, the work in itself is going to show you if you're ready to really, you know, take basketball to that next level. And I would say that it was not as challenging as I thought it was going to be because he didn't have his left arm because it didn't matter that he didn't have his left arm. Yeah. Every combo, double, triple, whatever, he was able to catch it with the same hand on the other side. So if you're going through your legs crossover, you know, he's going through the legs with the right, catching it with the right, and then crossing it back over to the other side, catching it with the other hand. That's like ridiculous. <laughs> like the, you, most people can't do that two hands, let alone one. But so, but I will say he's very talented. He has a lot of room for growth. Yeah, a lot of room for growth. So the the headline here kind of is because like his game speaks for itself. When you watch him play, like you can see what he's what he's able to do. You Super know, he's athletic. He is crazy athletic. Well, like there has to be something to say about his demeanor and his work ethic because this isn't a journey without obstacles. I mean, oh yeah, nah. Were work you able ethic. to pick up on that right away? And so, what was that like? As soon as he came in the gym, 
How so? It was on right away. Got to the stretch. It was on. He was locked in. He didn't say much. Even, I mean, he doesn't speak much English, but he does understand it. Yeah. So, but he was, it wasn't that he didn't want to say much. It was because he was locked in. He was focused and he was just trying to get better. I saw that. Yeah. So, and he is a athlete. Yeah. How, how realistically, how far can he go in this game? Like what's his ceiling? I would never tell any basketball player that, you know, they couldn't make it to the A because everybody has a shot. You know, we all lace our sneakers up the same except for him. You see, I say that a lot. I say he bleed like I bleed. So, I'm a bust. I'm a killer. Yeah. He get up and tie his shoes the same way I tie my shoes. I'm a killer. But now, nah, he ties his sneakers with one hand. That's, That's true. That, yeah, he is. Yo, that, it takes skill. It's yeah. just think about that. So I, when you think about not having the other arm, then it just shows you how much better he is than a lot of basketball players because they have to. Mm-hmm. In a weird way, do you think, so maybe I'm reaching here a little bit, but I remember hearing at one time, I think it was, maybe it was Phil Jackson talking about, I don't quote me on that, but some, some NBA mind was talking about a one time where uh, teams that were going up against Muggsy Bogues almost would you know struggle because suddenly you're telling your point guard to go post up because Muggsy Bogues is so small, but it's like the other 81 games of the season, you're never telling your point guard to do that. So in a weird way, Muggsy Bogues was almost harder to deal with because teams would be like, oh, he's so small. Like, let's just suddenly right. do things we're not used to doing. Do you I mean, feel he's like playing it- on the highest level and he's holding his own and leading at that. Yeah. Do you think people, it takes people out of their game sometimes maybe that, you know, dare I, and I mean this like with all respect, obviously, but if you're a coach, maybe you're saying like, oh, like force him this way. It's going to be harder for him to drive that way. But maybe that's like not normally a strategy you'd employ. And like, that's something he's already prepared for. Like, do you think that helps him almost in a way? I mean, yes and no, because if you know what they're going to try to do, then wouldn't you get better at it? You know, if you know yeah. that, if you know that to expect that, then all right, this is what I'm gonna do all summer. <laughs> right. Because I know this is, you know, that's when they said, who, who was it? Somebody in the NBA wasn't really shooting a three ball, and they said he needed to add it to his game. And the following season, he started adding. I think it might have been D Wade. He was just a mm. straight mid range guy, and then. He stepped out to the three and started adding the three ball. You know, you yeah. just add things to your game. Yeah. See, I never had to worry about that issue because my thing was always the corner three. It didn't <laughs> matter where you were on the court. <laughs> you knew once I got that rock in my hand, it didn't matter what, what you were doing. So I never had to no, worry no. about adjusting to like how a defense was going to play me. I had one weapon and it couldn't really be stopped. My one weapon, I just, I play defense. I'm <laughs> That's guarding. Great. Anyway, you said you were going to surprise me with a topic, so let's, let's hear it. 
Nah, I was just going to go into your thoughts on the NBA draft. It wasn't a surprise. I mean, we all watched it. We all saw what happened. What are our thoughts? Yeah, so as a native New Yorker, my biggest takeaway is that what you saw on the draft night, and I worked at ESPN for three years, got a lot of people there I love, uh, you know, would give them the shirt off my back. So I mean this with all respect. This is just purely about what you see on TV, not the behind the scenes but that is pure anti Knicks propaganda. What you saw on the screen with Stephen A. Smith, boo hoo hoo, with Spike Lee on the ground consoling him. That is pure anti Knicks propaganda, trying to make something bad of a situation that was really neither here nor there. And if it were to go in, I- in either direction, it was a good move for the Knicks. And so, for those of you who you know maybe forgot, because it was a confusing draft night if you were a Knicks fan. Uh, The Knicks made a draft pick. Uh, I'm already blanking on the kid's name because he's not on the team. A player from France who they say is going to be pretty good. Don't know too much about him. uh, And immediately traded the rights to Detroit. So this kid was never on the Knicks. He was on the Knicks for about 12 minutes until uh, they traded him away. But what the Knicks did was uh, they acquired three more first-round picks and traded away the Kemba Walker contract. And Kemba Walker as well. And so to me, the move is just the Knicks saying this 11th pick isn't driving the needle in years where maybe has in the past. We're not going to draft this guy. We're not going to draft that guy. We're just not going to draft anyone. We're just going to trade the pick for more options in the future when we have something to do. And so my point in saying all this is that anyone who was bamboozled into thinking the Knicks made a mistake that night, ESPN got you. You got, you got, got my boy. If you actually think the Knicks fucked up on draft night, you don't understand. And you're just falling into the trap that ESPN wants you to fall into. And that's, that's just how I see it. And you know better than they do because you worked at ESPN. But listen, I will say this. I will say this. The Knicks are now trying to get what? Jalen Brunson. So listen, it says, I was looking up his name because I don't want to disrespect him. Usman Diang. Yeah, no disrespect. Usman Diang. Yeah, player. from New Zealand Breakers. New Zealand? The okay. six, six, ten, six, eleven kid. Yeah, I don't know why I thought he was French. I messed that up. Yeah, right. He's uh, from New Zealand. Okay. Traded him to OKC. To OKC, Detroit, whatever, whoever the fuck they traded him to. You know, it doesn't really matter. The point in me saying all that is the Knicks did nothing wrong draft night. If anything, they gave themselves more options and didn't tie themselves up with some 11th overall pick that could be good. It's just for the viewers, man. Come on, they diehard Knicks fan. You know, this is what they do. Spike is at every game. Let him do what he wants. He's at every draft. Yeah, let him do what he wants. But is that healthy? Is that what we're trying to build, this culture where we're constantly going to be miserable? Nah, for sure. I, I agree with you on that. I, you know what I, I mean? Get I get it. I and get Sp- it. I'm disappointed in Spike Lee because he's not dumb. He knows there's no way Spike Lee was actually seriously thinking to himself, man, we fucked up this draft. Like, this is the same Knicks organization, the same right. guy that watched them draft Ronaldo Balkman. You know, this is the same guy that's been through all of this. Ronaldo and you think Balkman that was a lot of years in the NBA, bro. Okay, sure. But but my point okay. is you think you think this year trading down from the eleventh pick to clear up cap space and get more picks, you think this is something to cry about? 
No, my friend, you know it's not, which is why it's ridiculous. Because my boy, you've you've been through it. You know what you're doing here. I feel you. I feel you. Okay, you got it right there. Yeah. Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the lottery, which is what, the top 14? Correct. Who was the best player in the draft? The best not, player? Not the entire draft, but one through 14. Man, I so... The best player, if we're talking about this a year from now, I think is uh, Ivy from Purdue, because I think uh, he's gonna he he may not be the best pure talent of those who went in the lottery. You could tell me Bancaro has more upside. Maybe he does. Same with uh, Jabari Smith. Maybe he definitely has more upside potentially just because of how he's built. But the best pick and the best player, I thought was Ivy from Purdue. And I think that is going to show the most because he's clearly inheriting the best situation. Half of where you land and half of how the beginning of your career goes all falls on what you're inheriting. Right. Detroit so, is not a masterpiece of an organization by any means, they, but well, he's playing, the culture's definitely changed. Right. But he's playing along a guard who I actually think compliments his game really well. Cade Cunningham I don't know. I'm not saying they're a playoff team. I'm not saying he's an all-star, but I think when we have this conversation a year from now, Ivy from Purdue, uh, we're going to agree was the best player in the draft. That's where I stand. Yeah, right. damn. We agree on that. Because oh, okay. Boy, we Jayden agree on Ivy is my, my pick as well. Yeah. Listen, boy could have went number one yeah. as far as I'm concerned because he could do he could do it all. And he's yeah. playing defense. He's chasing down, blocking shots, shooting the three. Extremely athletic. He grew up in the A. Yeah. His mom's is a coach. Right. His mom's coach, Ja Morant. He was working out with Ja. Like, come on. He Okay. He's the most ready in my eyes. But right after that, I'll have to say uh, the Duke forward. Bancaro? Yeah. He's Bancaro. an athlete. Yeah. He couldn't like get it not against he, Carolina, he, but yeah. But, but he got a skill set, too. Yeah. Not against Carolina, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Funny. What do you think of... Um, what do you think of uh, OKC? Slim Shady Boy. Who's that? <laughs> Chet? Yeah, Chet. Chet is nice. I think he's going to be a problem right away. Chill. Chill. I think he's going to be a problem right away. He can stretch the floor. He can't stretch pants. His waist size is like a 14. He's too skinny. Stretch the floor. Sure, he can't stretch pants, my boy. So KD is too skinny as well? He's not KD. KD is Okay, I didn't. I'm just asking you a question on how he looks, on appearance. (sighs) Because right now we're talking about appearance. We are. But There's he's no disrespect seven, to his game. No but disrespect. He's seven feet and he will give you a bucket. So at that rate, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, does it really matter? Or are you talking about on a defensive end? I'm talking about both ends. I mean, how many times now do we see some seven foot lanky motherfucker come in and everyone's like, oh, new Porzingis. And after three years, he fizzles out. That's all I'm saying. Not from Gonzaga. Okay. Is he better than Sabonis? It doesn't matter. Sabonis was an all-star. He's okay. He's not better than Sabonis, and Sabonis got picked eleventh. What you you can't say he's 
He's better than him. He just got to the league. Let's let him play first. But I'm saying. True. That was a bad argument. Look, no. This is great because now I want to hear which big man from Gonzaga came in the league, the, the center, and folded. Uh, remember the big fuck Karnowski, the caveman looking guy? What year? He was on the team. I was going to say, like, the team that made the Elite Eight. They all fucking made the Elite Eight. He was on the team a couple years ago <laughs> where they made the Elite Eight. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and he was thinking it up? Yeah, no. He was, on, Elite eight. he was on the Final Four team that lost to Carolina. I remember him. Okay. In the, in the, in the, the National The only pick they had was uh, Adam Morris. Oh, Adam Scrub. Morris. Scrub. Right. <laughs> You know, that was it. And he, he was a killer in college. So he was. Fair enough. But yo, did we forget to tell them? I think we did. Be a friend of a friend. Go hit that button. Like, subscribe, follow, do what the fuck you do. Thanks for checking out the Friends of Friends podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend. 